up guys welcome back to another episode of interface.fm design podcast brought to you by people who design today we have someone special for you guys someone who's worked with companies like microsoft took my show and is currently working as a ux catalyst with swiggy we have miss kanika tigurwala with us who is here to share her life story and her experience as a designer if you like this podcast do like and subscribe to the channel so here we go How's the quarantine treating you? Good, yeah. Actually, I'm not finding it too hard because I'm at home. But yeah, work's pretty busy, and I'm trying to bake a lot. I just baked a chocolate cake. If that's interesting to anyone. <laughs> uh, if I ask you, what's your story? So I went to design school in New York. I'll backtrack a little bit. I was always a very creative kid, so I used to paint, draw, sculpt. I was really into fine arts, but early on, I knew that I didn't want to continue to do fine arts. I wanted something a little more employable. So I went to New York to study advertising, uh, and there, very quickly, I realized. I mean, while making print ads and TV commercials, I realized that it is not something I'm actually very good at, and neither do I enjoy it. But fortunately, uh, the design department was the same. as ad so you kind of had to do both so i explored graphic design like the basics from typography color contrast hierarchy everything visual related to graphic we built out brand identities posters book covers and through that i kind of explored different kinds of design in terms of motion graphics and interaction design was one thing that i stumbled upon and as soon as i took a class i had some really good teachers who were teaching the foundations so i think that had a lot to do with how i got into the field the teachers that i had used to work at uh, google and used to work for nike so these kind of companies i was already using their product so it became very easy to understand the kind of work they were doing and they were amazing at teaching so that's how i got in the field and i love 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 how iterative and user focused interaction design was especially graphic mm. and advertising which was still very single dimension in comparison to interaction design right with ui ux you were constantly speaking to the user and it was very iterative and i think that's what got me interested in the field and i didn't realize this at that point but my parents used to run a software company and i always ran away from it as every kid does from what their parents do i think at some point but because I started to understand the kind of work that they did they used to build websites and tech solutions for different brands and companies our conversations got very deep about it so i was in college i was building digital campaigns as projects building digital campaigns for brands and coming up with my own product solutions and i was talking to them about real world scenarios and then i had these teachers who were working at companies that seemed like they were doing a lot of good work so a combination of that kind of got me interested and kind of cemented my passion in interaction design and i'm glad i found it because really advertising wasn't meant for me and graphic i liked it but it didn't feel as exciting or as engaging as interaction design was that's how i started in college and there were two things that happened in college one was that i wanted to work a company that had a very strong vision because i told you my teachers used to work at nike and google and they had a very strong vision for where they were going with their solutions and two i realized because i had within the realms of design and ad i had a lot of various experiences and i wanted to kind of do have practical experience in how i chose what i wanted my next step to be so i wanted to have as many varied kind of experiences as possible so i worked in new york for a year uh, and i worked on nike products like nike.com and i worked on the golf app and the running app and something called nike id and nike has a very strong brand language right it's got a great typography it's got a very set color palette it's got a great vibe uh, in terms of what it's trying to communicate very expressive when i came back to india 
what year was this 2015 and half of 2016 so i was a visual designer i was working while i was working here i threw myself into a project i worked at designing their internal portfolio site where it was just me and two other designers and we kind of decided how to go about building this product uh, that we wanted so that kind of got me interested in uh, ux so when i came back to india i wanted to work at a product company i didn't want to do agencies anymore because again like i wanted to focus both on ui and and ux so i went to book my show where it was a lot of fun right it was a fairly new team book my show this was 2016 so they were going through a complete rebrand so i joined when they were right in the middle of getting a rebrand developed which meant that whatever came after was highly exploratory i was working with the indian market again which in itself is very diverse especially when entertainment is concerned and your day in and day out thinking about entertainment and movies right so it was a lot of fun we did a lot of diverse kind of projects for different parts of the country you kind of dabbled with different problem statements uh different problem spaces different demographics of people that you were designing for so that was a lot of fun and through this time i was also freelancing a lot but i was doing brand identities because one it's very lucrative and two it kept my mind ticking with everything creative right like if my work is going to demand product i wanted to do something like wild and creative on the side so i was doing branding and then microsoft happened and it seemed like a great microsoft felt like really fun thing to do because it was entirely different it was a large corporation it was enterprise for one a uh, book my show was highly consumer driven so was nice and i would be working with people from across the world right i used to work on microsoft teams which was mm-hmm. scattered across three countries so we were working with people researchers pms designers from different countries and that was a lot of fun because you were kind of working with set processes but you were kind of creating your solutions independently and then throwing it up to the rest of the right so that was uh, microsoft where i learned a lot about research and how product vision drives uh, the kind of solutions that you need to come up with uh, as a designer and you're really just a small cog in the entire ecosystem but again like we had our own features that we were working on and then after that swiggy happened and i haven't been at swiggy very long i've been there for 5 6 months and completely different space right like again i'm back to consumer in a certain sense but the team that i work on is working on new initiatives so we run zero to one experiments or where microsoft is all about scale swiggy is all about running small scale experiments so again i yes we think for the future but we're also just working with a very small set of users and working with multiple different uh, ideas it's not like i'm working only on one feature which is uh, like teams or like even the swiggy app right we're doing multiple different things which we can get into but uh, swiggy is a completely different ball game where i get to do more than just design you work as a ux catalyst in swiggy so uh, can you please elaborate for the audience what does it mean at swiggy i'm in a team called swiggy lab i am part of the user experience as centers of excellence as we call them so labs is a very cross functional team i'll have to tell you a little bit about the team for you to understand what the user experience catalyst does uh, so labs is a very cross functional team where it's comprised of people in business and strategy and research and insights there's data analytics engineering and product and then design right and of course i work with the in design user experience catalyst catalyst is a term that we use in uh, labs the role of a ux catalyst is basically to own what user experience can bring to the different project uh, that we run in labs right like every kind of uh, function is going to have their own agenda that they bring to a certain problem space or a solution space right like the business side is going to bring the business goals the profit and loss uh, metrics that they need to reach they need to look at uh, competition they need to in terms of money and in terms of business mm. you'll have the product and engineering looking at the text and you'll have uh, research and insights looking at the larger ecosystem so design needs to 
take care of what the user's perspective is and bring in really the human behavioral aspect into the team and mm-hmm. it is UX catalyst's job to basically or anyone in user experience it's a very open team so the job of a UX person in this team is to create user journeys outline user flows understand what the behavioral patterns as well as the user journeys mm-hmm. are for the audience that we are trying to target for any solution and then of course create the actual product and have an output where it can they can create something that a user that we experiment with can interact with and help us understand if something is viable or not so it's uh, about bringing in like creating the products of course but also just bringing in the user aspect of and the experiential aspect of a given target audience needs to would go through in a problem space how is it different from a design team so swiggy basically stands at the intersection of a consumer product which is what you and me would use to order food restaurants so restaurant partners have an have a product and then the delivery executives have a product right and there's a core product and design team which includes researchers illustrators and of course product designers who will work on these three different products that swiggy has so they handle everything to do with that labs is entirely different so labs focuses on new initiatives so anything that would drive growth for swiggy in the future it has nothing to do with incremental business improvements today it is basically to drive exponential growth in the future so we are a self sustaining team where we do our own thing which has nothing to do with the swiggy brand in a certain sense in terms of product not in terms mm. of of course yes. only in terms of the product we actually don't dabble too much with the actual core product because what we are doing is we are just coming up with different solutions that we could experiment with right like we don't know whether it is it's we're working with a lot of ambiguity we're working with a lot of confidentiality so we don't want to release it as something that's mm-hmm. falling within the swiggy uh, it's not coming from the house of swiggy yet in a product perspective right we may may not collaborate with the product team unless there is something that we need to do but we are self sustaining in ourselves and that's why each like it's like running think of labs as like a bunch of different startups within the guardrails of swiggy's vision mm-hmm. we run independently of swiggy but of course working within the guardrails of what swiggy's vision is and then once we come up with solutions that we feel would work well for future businesses it goes to the mm-hmm. and not just product team it will go to your marketing team and your product team as well as your business teams okay so uh, since we're talking about your designation as a ux catalyst now there's one thing that always you know intrigues me is that there are a lot of designations around the design team be it a product designer interaction designer service designer so how much does the designation matter and how exactly are they different from each other so i think this is a very big discussion within the industry especially when you're moving from one job to the other you kind of want to understand what different uh, designation or titles to your role uh, i'll start initially with my experience and then i'll go to the larger difference so i started off as a visual designer at an agency and then i moved on to working as a product designer so as a visual designer in an agency there's a big in an agency specifically there's a big difference between your ux and your ui your ux teams works all the way up till the wireframes and then they give it to your visual designer to create the ui for it right so visual designers then focus on a hierarchy typography brand identity bringing the branding into your product as you go into product companies i believe that a lot of these titles uh, are interchangeable depending on what a company uses right so for at book my show for instance i was hired as an interaction designer and then i got promoted to a product designer however no part of my job changed with this promotion 
I was still responsible for building our entire solutions. I was still collaborating with designers who researchers as well as UX designers who were basically at the intersection of UX and research and then we were the intersection of UX and UI. So and because the team was so open we do a lot of everything, right? And as soon as I moved to Microsoft where I moved from technically a product designer to a UX designer at Microsoft, it's not like I didn't have to think about UI at all. Of course I had to I had to work with the team's visual language and design systems that were already created. It's just that my job was to also think about user journeys, about user flows, about architecture of a product and also the experience of navigating through a solution or a feature. So it's not like that changed because my title changed. And now when I'm part of labs, I'm hired as a user experience designer, but my job and role is not changing because of the title. It's changing because of the culture of the team. There's a lot of your company culture, your uh, the way that your team is structured and the kind of skills that you bring on really dictate the kind of tasks or jobs you'll do within a company and uh, you got to play to your strengths right like it's not like a product designer you can be like okay that means i'm going to only think of product and not care about visuals but if you can then why not and if you can't then you go to companies that align with that um, but this is a discussion i actually had with one of my mentors it's always good as i said to like you want to play to what your goals are and what you feel like you're good at so he had this framework that he told me about it was like a t diagram so your vertical of the t is basically what you go in depth with like what is your primary skill so for me it would possibly be user experience right and the top of your t is basically the you can add anything to it so you, you can decide you want to be a user experience designer who has motion graphics on one side and research on the other and then you want to kind of dabble in the space between UX and motion graphics or UX and research or you can be like okay I want to dabble between it. my T is basically business and research so you kind of dabble between research and business mm-hmm. and then your depth user experience so it's the kind of intersection that you create for yourself that will make you have a unique set of skill sets and then that is what you'll bring to a company titles in my head are interchangeable it it helps to know uh, what kind of titles in what company adhere to which uh, level that you're trying to go to because when you shift companies from one to the other you want to know which position to join at but it will generally be within a company like different companies deal with a hierarchy within a team very differently so it's more important to understand that and understand what the role of each step is more than sticking to the name of a title really yeah okay i have a nice and a trick question for you that is that if you had to give up ux or ui which one would you choose between the two yeah you can only do one oh. i honestly think a ui designer needs to understand ux to be very honest but for the sake of your question i think i'd give up ui because with ux you can really go deep into product thinking and it's probably my favorite part of the process like brainstorming on the back end architecture and understanding tech constraints taking into account data from research and also from past features that have been used and we have data on it and then breaking that down to create the problem statement and um building a feature out that is probably my favorite parts and that basically happens for the sake of differentiation it happens more with ux design ux is a bigger circle and ui is a very small part of ux so ux is not just what you are planning how you are executing how user is feeling after using your app is very essential like if i take an example of a restaurant you get great food there but if the waiter is not talking to you properly i won't be able to go there even. i completely agree. it extends much much beyond like you open the app 
uh, even when you're thinking about food your experience starts from when you think about ordering food uh, mm-hmm. and then of course order your food or uh, you place the order the feedback mechanisms there how they keep maybe how they keep you engaged through the process and then when you get the delivery the way the these the way the customer service is behaving uh, similarly for any other product right your experience isn't a digital experience only and it's one of the things that honestly i have been exposed to a lot more or have the opportunity to explore a lot more in labs because when we're exploring solutions we are exploring it as an entire business right so we aren't looking at only it may not even be uh, a digital product it may be something that we it may be like a youtube channel or it may be mm-hmm. like i don't know I'm just throwing away words now but it can be anything that's why i said the ux person and not just a designer Uh, as someone who's advocate for user experience in general that's how i look at my job at labs you need to look at the journey of a user that you're trying to reach and understand what it is that would bring the best experience for them which means there are touch points not only in product but also in marketing and also in operations and also in the way that they would probably talk about your feature right like that which is your brand image in a certain sense so what are what is it the prob- what is the problem you're solving for them and what is the best way to do it and you kind of consider every aspect of doing that and that whole thing constitutes as experience i think you touched a very good point like we are the advocate or the lawyers for the user like we are the voice of a user and like what a privilege right like and as i said like it's a compliment to every our job is to mm-hmm. the voice of the user uh, empathize with them and just as everyone is focusing on a different part of the actual business you are focusing on the user's part so you kind of advocating for people who aren't present in the room at that point i actually read a really good tweet about this just today it it said that user experience as a term is limiting because it makes a user feel like a wish i can uh, find the tweet again because it's not mine at all and this is a disclaimer that should be put out like so my something i read which was amazing that user makes the user feel like they are being subjected to an experience that we are providing but they are a very active part of the experience they are the ones who are creating the experience really so it's more like user enablement uh, which was amazing to read because it is true like everything that we do it's because it's a response to the way they behave even though we are going with a solution that we are proposing it needs to align with the way that they behave right so that was a great tweet i read today okay So Kanika you just said that a designer needs to wear a lot of hats so talking about you what kind of hats do you wear at Twiggy Lab what all do you have to do So I don't think a designer always needs to wear many hats it's good if you do and that's a personal thing I would love to do many things uh but just to clarify the larger the company you go in like at Microsoft my role was very specialized i was not doing research i was not technically doing uh, or building visual systems i was only creating product experiences right i was only hashing out features as soon as you go to smaller companies you kind of have to wear many hats labs is a unique situation where as i said it's like startups within swiggy in a certain sense so i need to wear many hats in the sense that even though i'm hired as a user experience designer i have to be the advocate for the user as a whole which means that sometimes i have to work on marketing collaterals to best communicate a solution sometimes i have to be the researcher and run different kinds of studies in whatever way like there's so many ways to research like user interviews surveys release product experiments as ab testing and stuff like that so we have to sometimes do that sometimes i'm work and i'm working with many different teams to get this done right sometimes i'm working uh, very closely directly with engineering to 
kind of build out experiments as i said so under the guardrails of speaking for the user and under guardrails of creating the experience you have to do everything it takes to make us to run a successful solution or to build a successful solution so it could be many things and then of course my of course i also create uh, product solutions as well that's of course something that we do but we also have to be researchers at times build collaterals speak to a lot of different like speak to business folks to understand or to brainstorm on the different paths we can take to hash out a solution and the different areas or the different target audiences can target with a certain problem that we're trying to solve right so it's a lot of it's a very steep learning curve but your kind of influence it's really significant in my head because through the lens of uh, user experience you're kind of influencing the direction that uh, a certain solution can take so it's not just the direction of the product that you're building you're the building a product is just a means of navigating through multiple solutions right so that so, those uh, are the so how do you guys collaborate with each other to take better design decisions So at different teams it works differently but what is unanimously true across the board is that you rightly said it's collaboration right it's not like you're competing with someone so the best way i know is to first of all anchor and anchor the entire discussion to a problem space to a problem statement that so that everyone is sol- we know everyone is solving the same kind of problem once you have that we have a really powerful designers is that we can visually show what we're thinking like you won't see that in say a product manager can do pm mocks for instance but it's great to do that which we kind of build our solutions on at times but they probably just have an idea they bring in data and you can actually bring it to life right business folk again have an idea and they can speak about it but then you are the ones who can visualize it for them so i think we have the advantage of our hard skills to bring something to life so when you show that it when you brainstorm or when you base something on something on a hard visual prototype maybe or wireframes or whatever it is you can build a stronger uh, discussion point right you can anchor your discussion to something so i think that mm-hmm. is one way to collaborate with people two is to it's about understanding that different stakeholders who are building out a product have different kinds of data right like this is something that i believe very strongly in is to collaborate with the engineers really early on so they are bringing in the tech constraints at a very early stage so you're not wasting time later on after you build this very idealistic solution mm-hmm. and then you realize it so you totally work with them to understand tech constraints first like if they, are they building over certain uh, code that you need to be aware of are there any edge cases that you as a designer are missing out but they do need to code for right so you're going to work with them early on mm-hmm. pms are going to have a congruent idea of what you're building and why you're building it right so they be the center point of business tech and so you kind of work with them for of course the data for the business vision that you are building towards and you work with them right and i love working very closely with pms because i think it's a very complementary relationship where you kind of need to you're working towards the same solving the same problems right so mm. you got to understand and research of course because you you have to base like it's so it makes a designer's job so easy when you're kind of basing it on a uh, on the voice of like on the voice of the user in general you have all this qual and quant data that you can base a solution on so you're understanding that each stakeholder that comes to the uh, table to brainstorm is bringing on a different perspective so it's about finding a middle ground and of course like it's also understanding that there are i wouldn't say compromises but certain adjustments that your solution will have to make to make way for say um a better business uh 
outcome like there's no point to having a great design solution if it's not going to make the money in the future or it's not or like similarly like there's no point to having let me give an example like there's no point to having a business idea where the experience mm-hmm. isn't good for the you shouldn't even compromise on that so everyone comes to the table to solve one major problem and it's un- respecting that the different perspectives are all solving for one if i have to summarize it one is of course bring in your solution to uh, in a visual format it has really worked for me especially during disagreements cuz either you'll realize that there's a better solution out there or they'll see your version through a visual prototype maybe and two is to respect all perspectives and then brainstorm knowing that you are all solving for the same problem so you have worked with many organizations in the past and maybe you have faced some problems maybe some challenges so what solution did you bring in the organization so that they can functional better so i think first i think it's important to to know that i adapt to a system that i'm put into uh, of okay. course within that system i work to be as efficient as i can be and work with my own process which is why coming into swiggy i i completely had to change the way that i worked but it's something that i'm still working towards but it's not uh, completely blasphemous for me to be doing it there are a few things that i learned over the last 3 or 4 years that i think is really useful uh, when you're working in a product team so one is at microsoft there are a, one is documenting the decisions you're taking but the ideal decision against what actually is being implemented because sometimes mm-hmm. especially at microsoft it happened a few times where there is an and it happens in any company right you have the ideal solution and then you got to tweak it based on either tech constraints or timeline constraints or to match some dead, uh, marketing timeline or deadline where you need to adjust your actual feature so it's always but you it's an iterative process so i used to do this thing where when i document my work i wrote why the solution is the way it is and what the ideal solution should be and what were the parameters or factors that or the reasons why i had to change the solution i used to write that down so today and these decks it was in the form of a deck and they were very self sustaining so if someone had to read it they wouldn't need me to explain what had actually happened like i used to narrate basically the whole story of how i went from product to execution to code so that's one thing that i learned and it's really helped me good because one you have good documentation for your reasoning and your decisions that you've taken and also two for anyone like i've left microsoft today right but if anyone opens up my work now they'll probably know the decisions that went behind it what constraints there were at that point which may not be there today and therefore they can better the solution so that's one thing i did and two i learned very early on at my show that getting in um buy-ins from whoever is involved in a project is very important to streamline and have a good experience of shipping a product it's very important to work in a team get buy-ins get not only buy-ins but also suggestions and feedback from the rest of your team so that you know you're building out the best solution and this is something we used to do at microsoft as well where we used to critique each other's designs each other's work get buy-ins as well so those were a few things that i felt like i learned over time i knew that happened in teams but i didn't realize how important and how valuable it could be overall but where it comes to defining a system um uh, i kind of adapt to a team's culture in a certain sense so i didn't personally have too many issues uh, adapting Mm-hmm. So on that note I want to ask you like how do you react to criticism and how do you think an ideal designer should react to criticism? Oh. 
so i personally when i was in college one of the first things i categorically remember being told in one of our classes was to never be personally attached to any work that you do it's hard to do because it's your work right it's a little bit like your baby but to yeah. not be personally attached for few reasons right one is of course you want to be detached enough to take the best decision for the product and not it's not for the product right two so very early on i was taught not to get attached and i'm honestly not a very attached person and designs i'm passionate about what i do but for me the process of doing it is what matters the outcome not so much where it comes to criticism again like college trained me for this really well because we used to have critiques in almost every class and our teachers were very rightly so ruthless with their crit- criticism right like they want to make us better uh, designers and also employees so they used to be really harsh with their critique and mm-hmm. we do not take it personally i think that's one of the biggest things to not your any critique towards your work is a critique to the work and the solution and not to you so that's number one number two is always focus i think on the problem that you're solving so and be open minded right so if someone is telling you that there is a better way to do this or is asking your question it is because they are trying to understand the problem space better themselves and then they probably have a different way to think about it which can open your mind up which is where the open mindedness helps so yeah. that's number 2 number 3 is that whoever's critiquing your problem is possibly part of creating the solution as well right the different stakeholders and they are in it for the same reasons that you are to create something really good for the end user right so you got to have create a sense of trust with your colleagues who help you come up with a better solution so when they create uh, when they give you a criticism or a critique it's not even criticism it's critique towards something that you've designed or built it is for the betterment of the actual outcome this also but relates back to how you should possibly give criticism it should be and this is something that we follow even in our team at swiggy is to be incredibly candid and straightforward not beat around the bush just give your critique but give it in a way that is speaking primarily about the solution and not about a person right so yeah giving criticism is how you give it is as important as how you receive it now that we've talked about criticism uh, i want to talk about motivation like mm-hmm. what motivates you what pushes you yeah so for me as i said i've always wanted to work at companies and work with teams who are very mission or vision driven because i feel like i'm the best when and this is a personal thing right different things drive different people so what drives me is when i know that an entire team is or a company is dedicated to a single mission which is what swiggy microsoft even bookmyshow had and nike of course has so that's number one so when i'm working in a team that is so uh, driven by its own mission and i said i adapt to that it's very easy for me to get motivated to that two i want to work with people who are one better than me because i feel like i absorb i'm like a sponge i absorb from my surroundings a lot so working with people who are smarter than me who are better than me and who have skills that are more diverse or different than mine learn through their experiences as well that is very important to me so whenever i interview with companies and people it's very often happened that i've i've been excited about the people who've interviewed me and their mm-hmm. background and their stories and therefore i've joined a company like it happened with microsoft it happened even with swiggy right like i spoke in my interviews i spoke to my interviewers whoever interviewed me about their backgrounds about what they do what kind of work they aspire to do themselves so when i see people like that when i hear about their stories i get excited to work with them so two i chase people right one is company vision two is people three i want to work on solutions that 
work in spaces that are doing work that is impacting a large number of people so when i took up microsoft i was going to work at scale and then i realized that working at scale is great but i also want to explore the indian ecosystem and do work that is significant to that so i think if i have to summarize it three things i want to work at companies that are very vision or mission driven to i want to work with people who are much better and smarter than me and who have a more diverse set of skills and talents and hard skills soft skills both and three is to work on to impact driven work so i want to come back to your second point when you said that you go in like whoever is interviewing you you talk to them So what I want to know is, like, do you start talking to them during the interview? It's like you went in and then you start interviewing them. Yeah. I think it's a so great I'm- tip for the interviews when you yeah. have the interview. Start interviewing the interviewer. Yeah, it's like. <laughs> But you know, that's actually not. It's not a bad idea because as much as they are interviewing you, and of course, you can't hijack the interview, and it doesn't have to be that way. Very honestly, so the way I do it is, first of all. I prep for an interview in the sense that you generally you can ask your HR who's going to interview, right? And they or like when you get an invite, a calendar invite, it's generally with the name of the person. So I yeah. I be a corporate-ish and I go onto LinkedIn and Twitter and see what they're up to, what the experience has been, what kind of work they've done, what kind of teams they worked in. I look at those things. So when I go into an interview, I'm prepared about who I'm speaking to, right? Like I know a little bit about them. And interviews, I mean, yeah, it is going to be seventy percent them asking you questions. But after a certain point, I think it can also be a conversation. It's not like an interview from their end and then an interview from your end. It's not like that. It can be a conversation, and it can be something that you can build onto. You can't just. I understand when you walk in an interview, you can't just suddenly start having a conversation. It is going to be pretty uh, question answer question answer initially. It but totally, it totally but, depends on the personalities. I, I think. Yeah. So I've taken interviews of people and I've given a lot of interviews and I think one of the key points is to if you're interviewing is to have questions prepared that you want to ask I think that's something that don't try to wing it I mean if you have if during the conversation or interview you come up with other questions great but always have questions prepared that you want to ask your interviewer it could be about the company the team the kind of work you're going to do but it could also be about what part like you can ask them things like what part of your job do you really enjoy or like what is it that's driving you to stay in this job or like what prompted you to take this job up right what is it that you would say or like what do you feel like a person like me with my skill sets could bring to a team and you'll start to understand the way that they think the way that the company thinks the way that they're trying to build a team up you start to understand the nitty gritties of this so that kind of changes your perception of even the job you know kind of doing this for a selfish reason as well because you want to see if you can fit into the team what do you recommend to the people who just entered the design industry you went to a design school and you've worked with a lot of self taught designers and uh, this is also a very big question in the industry that whether you should join a design school or not and uh, how to go about things in the industry so if you could give in your point of view on this I think you said it like I've worked with I mean of course I've had a formal education in design and it's just something I chose to do at the time but I've worked with a lot of self taught designers and the more I work the more I come across and a lot of them, if I may say so are much much better than I am today and that has to do with individual person I honestly don't and there's this big battle as you said in the industry which one's better self taught versus not 
uh, both have their difficulties both have the challenges you know so in any sense i do think that the skills that you bring on as both are pretty complementary like i can give personal examples where i think being from a design i had a very structured environment through which i learned design uh and that is not a privilege and that's a privilege which i don't think self taught designers have in a certain sense yeah there's so much content out there like today itself i spoke to someone who called me up uh because she wanted to get into the industry and i honestly fumbled to give her concrete advice of how she should start because i went to school for it so i had to point her to de- designers who are self taught so they could speak about their process but the discipline that comes with being a self taught designer is something that i think i wouldn't have because i had a structured environment similarly i think self taught designers are pretty agile in their processes we come from design school we come with pretty strong processes and likewise like our processes are so strong that if we work with self taught designers maybe they can learn something from us so i look at it as it's not self taught versus design school i look at it as everyone's designers and everyone has their own way of learning and i know we spoke about this earlier ashwin and i think i completely actually respect the point that you made because college gave me a good head start and it ensured that i didn't have to go through the struggling of of fumbling of how to become a designer but and i'm very happy and grateful for that uh, jump start but after a certain point we all need to continue being self taught designers right like the industry tech in general and design in general is changing so much that we can't rely only on colleges and institutions to teach us what we need to know or how we can be better designers it is something that we need to proactively do and that is where i feel like self taught designers i am trying to learn from them today because as i said they can create their own curriculum for themselves they can create their own systems of learning which i haven't had the experience of doing till i started to imbibe from them so i personally think you don't have to go to design school to learn but you do need to create uh, or ground your learning in a certain system which you could pop, you'll have to possibly create for yourself and then you got to build on top of that for me what helps me and i don't say this in for design i say it for any kind of skill that i want to learn how to do or any kind of hard or soft skill that i want to garner i kind of reach out to people who i feel are already doing that and i see the kind of processes and the kind of patterns that they may have followed and i also read a lot uh, online on how to start and i i'm pretty basic about this i'll go online and google like how to start with data analytics or like i'll also speak to like people who i know are studying it people who i know have started to move in that direction and see what kind of resources they're using what kind of processes they're following to learn something new so i i feel it's starting from there but yeah i definitely do not look at it as one against the other and i do not think one is better than the other it's basically everyone's a designer and there's one designer who has certain skills and another designer who has overlapping skills but has some other strong points Sounds good. True. So, my last question for the day: What legacy you want to leave behind? A very big question, yar. You're not the first one to say this. Yeah, like I understand the plight of everyone else who's had to answer this question, <laughs> and like who have the answer to this man? Like, I don't, I. Unless I don't know the legacy I'd like to leave behind, but I can tell you the kind of work I want to do, and it's one of the reasons why I took up Siggy as a company. So I wanted once after Microsoft, I was reading a lot, and I realized I wanted to work on um, building product that drive business growth, and it is something it's something that I hadn't explored at all. 
or I even if I explored it a little bit in book my show, I didn't actually understand the impact of it or the extent of it because I was so young and maybe wasn't as experienced. So it is it requires me to understand, of course, business and understand kind of. problems and solutions that we can come up with to drive business growth understand the metrics of what business is how can product drive that what are the metrics that product needs to be aware of or designers need to be aware of to gauge whether something is going to create the desired impact or not i can say that it's i want to work on new initiatives and growth because i do think it's a very exciting space where you're kind of dictating what the coming years for the certain company would be right it's not designing for only today it's designing for the future and it's a very exciting space because you're kind of dabbling in multiple different uh, areas of or problem spaces and looking at such different uh, target audiences and you're kind of starting to define that right and it's an extremely privileged and powerful position to be in uh, so and it's one of the reasons i took up swiggy is because a cross functional team like ours i get constantly work with business strategists and product managers who are very aligned to uh, or, or know how to build businesses in a certain sense right so they can possibly teach me like i'm learning a lot from them so i can tell you i want to work on new initiatives as of now uh, and it's why i took up the job but i don't know what legacy i want to leave behind and i say that because every jo- like every job that you do in my head builds you for what you'll do next in a certain sense right like it's like a building it's like a ladder that you're climbing in a certain sense so uh, if i just always know i have a vision for what i want to do next after book my show i knew what i wanted to do uh, i wanted to be better at research i wanted to work at a global scale so that's why when microsoft happened i was i jumped on it uh, and then i wanted to work and understand the business aspects of uh, and the business impact of design so i took swiggy when it came to me i took it because i thought it would teach me that and then right now i'm learning a lot here and then i'll use this kind of information and the kind of learnings i have in the company to see maybe what i want to do next and i use i basically do not know i don't know how to think 10 years down the line when i for my career but i can know the kind of vision that is dictating my next step so i'll always be open to learning seeing how today's learnings impact what i want to do next so that's generally how i take decisions and see the next few years for me yeah does that make sense yeah definitely and it was so insightful and grateful to talk to you and it was great talking to you anika likewise man thanks for having me thanks for all the great questions i hope your listeners find something useful in it and i'm very happy to have any additional conversations that anyone wants to have anytime and it was great conversation and looking forward to many other episodes thank you so much anika for your time i hope you like this episode If you did let us know which part you like the most if you want us to invite your favorite designers let us know their names in the comment section below we are also putting up our social media handles in the description if you like this podcast do like and subscribe to the channel see you in the next one cheers